Hey everyone, welcome to the Her Head and Films podcast. I'm your host, my name is Caitlin. In this podcast, I share my personal thoughts and feelings about the movies that I watch. Usually I watch a lot of art house films or world cinema, and that tends to be the genres that I focus on. And I just, I have a very personal connection to film. It's what helps me survive. It's what helps me cope with life. And this podcast was created so that I could share my passion for cinema with all of you. If you're new to the podcast and you don't know who I am, my name's Caitlin. I'm a writer. I consider myself a dreamer. I'm a very sensitive person. Um, I love literature. I love art, poetry. And in the last few years, probably since 2011, I've grown really passionate and um, obsessive about cinema and um, I love talking about it I love watching it I watch a lot of films Um, if you're new to the podcast and you don't know what the title refers to it's from an email that I sent a friend a few years ago I was in a really obsessive state with film and I just said in that email that my head isn't in the clouds, my head is in cinema. So her head in film seemed like the perfect way to capture how I engage with films and how I'm thinking about them, how they become part of my life. And that's what I want to share with those of you who listen to the podcast. This podcast does have a Patreon. You can find it at patreon.com slash herheadandfilms. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash herheadandfilms. That's a website where people who listen to podcasts or watch people's videos or whatever, they can support the, they can support content creators financially. So if you would like to financially support the podcast, I would be very appreciative of it. There's lots of different rewards and extras that you can gain access to. One reward level is that you get a shout out in each episode. So I just want to take a moment to do my shout outs. I want to give a shout out to Michelle, Jesse, Lindsay, Olivia, Carolyn, and Feminist Overlord. Thank you all so much for supporting the podcast and for being patrons. And I appreciate all of you who listen to the podcast, who share it, who engage with it. Um, I'm really grateful for that. And I'm grateful to have this outlet because in my everyday life, I'm pretty silenced and I'm pretty invisible and marginalized. Um, And so this podcast is a really important way for me to be heard and to express myself and to have some kind of catharsis, I think. Because watching films nowadays is a very sort of lonely experience. I live in a rural area. I've talked about this in other episodes. I live in a rural area in the United States. I don't have an art house theater down the road from me where I can go watch, you know, the latest Terrence Malick film or the latest Agnes Varda film. I have to watch things on my computer. You know, I, I watch film alone. It's very solitary for me. It's, I think it's very interesting the way cinema has shifted, where it used to be this collective, communal experience for people. And I think in the age of streaming, and in the age of just um, maybe having one theater, 
uh, where you live, and if they only play the blockbusters, then you've really got no access to classic film or art house or world cinema unless you use streaming sites or you know buy electronic copies or even buy DVDs that you that you watch on your computer or in your home theater system. I just have a little Chromebook. I don't have anything special, so. I rely on streaming, and so I watch films alone. It's very solitary for me. I don't get to talk to anybody about these films that I watch. And often certain films will get stuck. It's like a piece of grit that gets stuck in in this groove, you know. And I can't get it out of my head. Or, or I start to see associations with other films. And so... That's why I wanted to do this podcast, and this podcast, it's about, it's going to be about a few films, but it's going to be about this thing that I've been thinking about today, and, you know, as I've said about film, it's life-saving for me. You know, I have had a difficult life, and I've gone through a lot of things in my life, and a lot of loss, a lot of grief, a lot of trauma, um... I struggle financially, you know, I've always been working class or poor, and so, I don't know, I've just been going through a difficult time, I feel like I'm sort of always going through a difficult time, and I go through depression, as some of you may know from other episodes, and I'm very open about it, that I do struggle with depression, and and it's hard, and often, sometimes when I'm depressed, I will watch more films. I've found myself watching more films lately, just to sort of, I don't know, get through. It, it's just very hard. I just struggle with a lot of things that I don't even go into publicly. I don't, it's gotten to the point, like, I don't even like to share things about my life anymore. I just think there's such a deficit of compassion and sympathy in the world. It's just... People don't get it. You know, I mean, I'll share things with with people that I'm in regular contact with, but I used to write a lot more on the internet. I used to be a lot more open, I think, about things. And I've found that I've just become more guarded because I I think people can be really judgmental, especially these random strangers on the internet who might follow you on Tumblr or Twitter or wherever. I find myself just not wanting to write as publicly anymore as I used to or be as open about things and I guess I've sort of shifted it to the podcast a little bit and tried to be a little bit more open. So today I I finished a film that I want to talk about and then I want to talk about a few other films that are sort of related to it but it's called Dog Lady and it's directed by two women by Laura Chitarella and Veronica Genius and um I'm sorry if I didn't pronounce those perfectly um I'm gonna call them Laura and Veronica in this review because I don't like to butcher people's names and I, I do my best to look online but it can be a bit difficult sometimes so this film is called Dog Lady it was made in 2015 it's not a particularly well-known film. It's sort of one of these little under-the-radar obscure films. Um, it's an Argentine film, so it's set in Argentina. And I have a great affinity for South American cinema, whether it's Chile or Argentina or um, Brazil. Um, 
or even i don't know if mexico is considered part of south america i guess not i mean i'm not totally sure but um like i really love patricio guzman who is a chilean uh director i really love his work and i think pablo lorraine i think he's also chilean and he did jackie he did a film called the club which is really really powerful um so i watched a Argent another argentine film this year i think um called the official story i think it was and it was about the military dictatorship in argentina and, and things like that so south america a lot of the films explore the dictatorships of the different countries so there's this 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 historical trauma that is often in the work that I think attracts me to it, especially Patricio Guzman's work. I think he is um, spectacular. I love Nostalgia for the Light. I love the Pearl Button. I would, of course, love to do an episode about him one day, so maybe I'll fit that in or, or um, explore his work. So, Argent I don't, I haven't seen a lot of Argentine cinema, but I've seen some of Chitarella, Laura Chitarella's work. She has a film called Ostend or Ostende. And I watched that one and then I watched this one called Dog Lady. And I watched them on Mubi, which is a really great art house website where you can find art house films, you can find world cinema. And often it's contemporary stuff too that you are not going to find on Netflix or, um, you know, Hulu or any of these other streaming sites i'm not saying that for any other reason than that i use the website i'm not being it's not a sponsored thing or this is not an ad for movie i use movie it's dub it's m-u-b-i dot com movie so that's how i saw these films and um dog lady in particular um just stayed with me and i finished it today and it's it's this very sort of simple film in a way it's it there's no plot it's it's really one of those this is the kind of film i really like in that it's slow it's quiet it it lingers in silences really and it's immersive and it really is just about a woman the title dog lady um who lives with her pack of dogs. She has about six, I would say. And she just lives in the woods. She lives on like the outskirts of town in Argentina. And she just lives her life with her dogs. She has like maybe a little hut that she's built, like a little house. And it just shows her through the different seasons. There's autumn, there's spring. Um, and just how she survives you know she gets water she she steals candles from a church at one point um and she steals food at times and then other times i think maybe there's restaurants or whatever that will give her food and she walks with her dogs around i mean there's really not any plot to talk about really um so it's interesting that i chose this for my podcast but that's why i have a few other films that i want to talk about in relation to it and like I say, I love films like this. I love films that are directed by women. I like films that focus on women. And this is a film that focuses on a marginalized woman. 
this is someone who is living um, in the margins of society, living outside of society. She has chosen to have this life with her dogs. And I tell you, this is something I think a lot about. Like, when I think about my dream life, um, which I'll never have, but this is my dream life. I want to have a cottage in the woods, prefer preferably in England. I can't explain it. I love it. I have this obsession with Britain. I don't know. Especially English gardens. I love English gardens. And um, so, like, gentry, aris, aris, um, aristocratic British people, right? But I want to, like, or like Cornwall, like Daphne du Maurier. I love her work. And I always love when she talks about Cornwall and the water and stuff. But I would just, I imagine myself somewhere in the woods, maybe in America. You know, I'm from the South. I love the woods. I love nature. It's how I grew up. I'm a rural person. I'm, I live in the country. It's sort of part of my blood. And so I'm in, I live in the woods, but I have a decent cottage. Like it's nice quality and it's isolated. There's not a lot of people around and I have an English garden. Like it's like an English garden. I imagine it almost as Florence Welch's home. I don't know if any of you have seen Florence Welch's home. You should look for it on YouTube. She's the singer in Florence and the Machine, and just go and, you know, Google Florence Welch's home, and it's so dreamy, and she has this garden, and so my dream life is basically peopleless, it's like a life away from people, and isolated from people, <clears throat> and I would have cats. I would kind of be like Inya a little bit, like the singer Inya. I saw this story like, I don't know, a year or two ago, where she lives in a castle with her cats. And I'm fine with that. I could do that. You know, instead of my little cottage, I'll have a castle with my cats. And I'll have a little English garden somewhere. I love the film The Secret Garden that was made in 1993 by Agnieszka Holland. And I'm going to talk about another film of Holland's in a moment. So I have this whole dream life in my mind that I have, you know, and it's always away from people. <laughs> it's with animals. And I've thought a lot about recently with the election, the 2016 election of Trump and all that. I've just thought more and more about like not wanting to be around people, like much more preferring animals or preferring my dog that I have. So I found it really compelling that this woman, the dog lady, she never has a name. I just found it really compelling that she goes into the woods, she lives this isolated life, and it's basically away from people. Like, she, for some reason, she likes to be alone. And if you think about most films, you know, mainstream films, but even art house films, there's always, they're always, they always have people. They're always about relationships whether they're romantic relationships or a mother-daughter or, you know, a parent-child relationship or whatever the case may be, human relationships, right? This is so anti-that. You know, this is not about her relationship with anybody else. It's about her relationship with the dogs and it's about her life and how she survives. Um, but she doesn't seem to be sad she doesn't seem to be desperate, necessarily, even though she steals things at times. She seems to have chosen this life. 
it, it doesn't seem like it was forced upon her. She doesn't seem depressed, particularly. It doesn't mean that her life is easy. It doesn't mean that she doesn't have, you know, obstacles and, and challenges in the way that she lives. But it came off to me like a voluntary decision that she made to live this life, to live with her dogs, to sort of renounce, um, like the human world in a way, a little bit. I mean, she interacts with people. There are scenes in the film where she is with people and she goes to see a friend, I think, who lives in an apartment. And so it's not that she's never with people. She just doesn't seem to need them. She doesn't seem to need those things. And this is something that, again, I relate to and that I've never had really strong interpersonal relationships with people. I've never had a lot of friends. I've never had, um, I've never had those connections with people for various reasons. And, um, I am someone that keeps my distance from people just because I've had a lot of bad experiences, especially with family. I'll put that in quotes, family. I don't really consider myself as having a family. I have my mom and I did have my father, but he died, um, when I was 16 when, and that was in 2006. And that was, if you've listened to other episodes, the defining experience of my life and a trauma that I've never recovered from or come back from. And it is, it basically shattered and destroyed me. So in many ways, I am just a shattered woman living and surviving in the aftermath of sort of the complete destruction of my life and my being. Um, and I know I sound really dramatic saying that, but I don't know how else to say it, that I was completely annihilated by losing my father. So he was my best friend. He was, he meant everything to me. And so to lose that person and then to experience family members in quotation marks who were not particularly kind or compassionate or loving and to not have a support system or, or anything like that, I think it changes your relationship with people and I do not trust people for the most part. So I saw in the dog lady perhaps someone who is voluntarily shunning society and shunning people and wanting to be alone and I cherish my solitude I'm someone who I consider myself a writer I, I like to be alone I like to write I like to watch films I like to read I like to live a life of the mind honestly I'm someone who is very within my head and within my mind and her head in films is sort of the perfect description because my I'm always in my head you know I'm always living in my head and um so I love this idea of this woman really renouncing society almost like a hermit you know if you remember uh, maybe like what was it the middle ages or the medieval times there were these women who would be hermits um Julian of Norwich comes to mind. Um, there were people who were hermits for religious reasons. And this is not that, but I've always been intrigued by people who isolated themselves from society. And we, we never know what to do with these people. Um, we don't know what to do when we encounter a homeless person 
or when we encounter someone who is living on the margins or the outskirts of society and she is literally living that way and i don't think we know what to do with people who don't want those regular mainstream things that everybody else wants you know there's supposed to be this narrative to your life that you you know you graduate high school maybe you go to college you fall in love with someone you get married you have children you raise the children you build up your career you ha you buy a house you do this this and this a b and c and we just assume that that's what everyone can do it's this very middle class bourgeois sort of idea of life right that everybody has access to getting a good career that everybody wants romantic love not everybody does everybody wants children not everybody does everybody wants property everybody wants to live this particular bourgeois life you know and not everybody wants that some people are more bohemian bohemian some people are some people just have a different uh, arc to their life and different path and so with the dog lady, what's interesting is that I think a lot of people would look at someone like her and pity her. They would say, oh God, this woman, you know, living in a hut in the woods with her dogs. How disgusting, how sad. And she has children who like throw rocks at her. You know, she's, she's called like a witch and a hag, um, which is obviously gendered language. We, we maybe could handle a man living like this. And I talked about this in my episode on Agnes Varda's Vagabond, which is about a girl named Mona Bergeron, played by Sandrine Bonaire. And she is a vagabond. She is a transient, a homeless person. She hitchhikes around. She lives in a tent in the woods. She lives this very, um, uh, this vagabond lifestyle. She doesn't have a home. She is, she's homeless and she's transient and um she eventually dies from exposure from being in the cold and um you know i talked about in that episode how we don't know what to do with women who want to be on the road women who want to hitchhike women who want to um live outside of society outside of capitalism who who choose a certain kind of life that is uh peripatetic and is um transient and dog lady obviously had a lot of um for me i saw echoes of vagabond in it in that way is that both mona of vagabond and the dog lady are really choosing to not be part of society and to not be with people and to instead be alone um to live lives that are um that are different that are deviant in some way you know especially for a woman we we don't know what to do with women who want to live this way we we revere people like a uh, henry david thoreau who goes to live in his cabin in the woods or other men that go on the road but we never know what to do with women who do that and so, as I say, I think a lot of people would look at this dog lady, this homeless woman with no family, no children, no property, I guess you could say, except for where she lives in the woods. And there could be like, there could be pity and there could be disgust and, and, 
and um, repulsion, you know, from someone like that. And instead, I think this film shows the complexity of her life, that she isn't someone who needs to be pitied, that she's a woman living a different lifestyle, obviously, but that she is strong and she is um, smart and she has survival skills and she has her dogs and she gets to be with nature and there's bad parts to it like in the winter and the autumn and she has like a little bit of a cough and she may not have access to as much medical care she may not have protection from the elements and so that comes into it she's like in her 40s Mona in Vagabond was in her 20s probably and um so she's at a different stage of her life and you do wonder how long she can continue to live in the woods because that will start to take a toll on one's health obviously it could be that she can't find a job it could be that um maybe it's very expensive to own property or to get an apartment where she lives in Argentina that's certainly a theme throughout here in the United States where it's very difficult to afford places to live in the United States. Um, so there's a lot of reasons why she could be living in the woods. I think of after the 2008 recession happened here in the United States, there were like tent cities that started to, um, to pop up for people that had been um, foreclosed on when they had lost their homes. People didn't have anywhere to live, you know, and we still have a substantial homeless population in the country. So she could be choosing to live like this or she could live in a society where she has to live like that in order to survive because she can't find a decent job that will support her and let her afford a place to live. And so that's obviously something that you have to take into consideration as well. But this film gives dignity to her life instead of pity and that's really important I think um, this film while it reminded me of Varda's Vagabond which I love and it's probably my favorite Varda film or one of my favorite Varda films it also reminded me of a recent Agnieszka Holland film called Spore and it's actually going to be chosen as Poland's uh, Oscar pick for the foreign language category. They're actually going to choose Spore as as Poland's, um, what is the word, what they're going to present, you know, and, and it might be chosen for the Oscars, so we'll see what happens. And Holland, I'm a big fan of Holland's, and... Um, I love her work. I've seen The Secret Garden and In Darkness was really good, which was about Jewish people during the Holocaust who were hiding in the sewers, I think, of Poland and um, how they survived the, the the war that way, World War II. It was a really powerful film. Spore is also a very powerful film. It's about a woman who lives with some dogs. It's interesting because the first or one of the first scenes of Spore shows the main woman character with her dog. She has like two and um, the woman is very passionate about animals. She lives in the woods as well, but she has like, you know, a decent house and stuff and 
she gets very upset that hunters are hunting animals during the off season and um she sort of has a crusade against that but the police officers won't enforce those rules and so she's a woman who cares about animals she cares about nature there's a strong ecological and environmental message in the film that sort of it sort of equates men with the destruction of the earth really that the violence of patriarchy and the violence of masculinity and men and how they treat women and it connect i think it connects these things it connects how they treat women the violence against women and also how they treat the earth and how they treat animals and so the violence across all those um all those things is interconnected you know and then here is this woman this older woman she's probably in her 50s or 60s who ferociously fights for animals and the earth and and um so there's this really strong environmental message to the film that I think resonates deeply with the time in which we live with climate change and with the continued destruction of the earth and and not treating the earth well and not treating animals well and um it's a really good film actually very haunting cinematography as well and a really gorgeous soundtrack but the dog lady's connection to nature the dog lady's uh, affinity and love for animals especially her dogs really reminded me of spore in a lot of ways and that these are both women who have a connection to nature connection to animals and um they're sort of alone they're sort of isolated in a way as older women um they don't have much of a place in society they don't garner a lot of attention or respect um and they're both sort of marginalized i think in that way and so as i was thinking about dog lady and i was thinking about all these different films I started to think, and I think when I did the episode about Vagabond, I used this term, the cinema of the unruly wo unruly woman. And it came back to me today when I was thinking about Dog Lady, that films about these kinds of women, you know, women who transgress, women who are deviant in the eyes of society, women who subvert gender norms and gender expectations women who resist what is expected of them that they should stay in their place that they should live a particular way and also resist power structures like capitalism and patriarchy that these women are often also marginalized and made invisible um that for me this this is sort of the cinema of the unruly woman in a way and it just was a term that came to me and I you know I'm not any kind of film scholar or anything but I just like it as a term I just like it as an idea of maybe situating some of these films often directed by women um, but not always and I like thinking about what would fit into this cinema of the unruly woman and i and i use the word unruly because i recently read roxanne gay's memoir called hunger 
and she uses that word a lot, talks about how fat women, fat bodies are seen as unruly, which really is uncontrollable and excessive and outside the bounds of of what is normal and acceptable. And um and a writer named Anne Helen Peterson also wrote a book that I read called Too Fat, Too Slutty, Too Loud, The Rise and Reign of the Unruly Woman. And I also read that this year. So this word unruly has sort of been echoing in my mind and I've been thinking a lot about it. And so I would obviously add Mona from Vagabond. I would definitely add the woman from Spore. I would definitely add Dog Lady. And I was just going through some films. I would I would definitely add Gina Rollins in some of her Cassavetes roles. Like A Woman Under the Influence. Like Gloria. Like Opening Night. You know, for me, these are women who are hungry. These are women who are aggressive at times. Women who want things. Women who make demands at times, but not always. I would put in Wanda by Barbara Loden. I think she's unruly. I think there is something about Wanda that is... She's unruly in the sense that you can't pin her down, or you can't you can't totally make sense of her. You know, Wanda, I did an episode on Wanda that you can listen to, and it's just, she is so small in many ways, and so silenced, and so, um, she's hard to decipher in many ways, and, but I think there's something sort of unruly about her too, or, I don't know. I would say the possession uh, Isabel Anjani, um, I don't know if I'm saying her name right at all, I apologize if I am, but it was made in 1981, and it's called Possession, it's also by a Polish director that I'm not even going to try to, um, pronounce, I think that would definitely be an unruly woman right there, um, there's this great film called Violetta Went to Heaven, which is about, um, a singer, and I would I would definitely put her in there. The Red Shoes, Moira Shearer. I think she's a bit unruly. She's someone who wants a lot. She craves to be she wants to be a dancer. I was thinking maybe even Ingrid Bergman's character in Stromboli. How she's on that island and she can't stand being there and everybody, all the women on the island judge her and they can't they can't control her and they want to and she's she's sort of fighting to to um sort of get away from from that island or that volcano i would i would put her in there for sure hmm. Ooh, la ceremony by claude chabrol definitely i did an episode about that um it has sandrine bonaire in it and isabel hubert who play these very dangerous women and um and sort of have this fatal friendship and uh I would definitely put them in the cinema of the unruly woman for sure. I think some of the women from Bergman, Ing Ingmar Bergman's films like Persona or The Silence or Harriet Anderson like in Through a Glass Darkly and stuff, these are women who are very 
they break through the bounds, I think. And, and they're very sort of aggressive at times. And yeah, I mean, I haven't seen those films in a long time, though, but I would definitely put them in there for sure. I mean, these are just, you know, some ideas, you know, some some films that I would maybe add to the cinema of the unruly woman. I mean, I just think Vagabond is a really perfect example. And Dog Lady, for sure. But it's sort of any film about a woman who is difficult, a woman who is seen as as a bitch. I would put uh, Johnny Guitar in there with Joan Crawford. I think she is uh, sort of the height of unruliness in that film. She is incredibly ferocious and powerful and interesting and um yeah i would definitely put her in there or isabel hubert in the piano teacher i think the piano teacher is a really great example of an unruly woman of a, a woman who doesn't fit you can't categorize her either i mean i don't know if unruly is the right word at times it's it's just women who women who we don't know what to make of women who are not sort of you know demure and polite and and perfect you know but women who are really flawed and and um outrageous at times right like um like Joan Crawford and Johnny Guitar women who are different and really outside of our ideas of how a woman should act. I mean, the piano teacher would be a good example of something like that. I would even put uh, La Vie en Rose in there. Marion Cotillard as Edith Piaf. Um, she's incredibly unruly. You know, Edith Piaf was just larger than life. You know, she was so just um, outspoken and... Um, so audacious and a real survivor you know coming from the streets of france the streets of paris and and becoming just this megastar right and um she had a big personality and i would definitely put her with unruly women and um for sure so there's so many and you could sort of start your own list you know who are who are some women that you would consider unruly, you know, or that you would, and, um, I'm, I'm on Facebook. You can find me at her head in films and Hey, if you want to, you know, uh, suggest your own unruly women and, and films that should be added. Um, I definitely welcome that. I, I think it could just be a really great starting point, you know, um, to just think about, you know, how women are, are portrayed in certain films and and um I think often some of the best women characters are often directed by women or written by women but that's not like a hard and fast rule I mean I'm not saying that you know male directors can't you know create memorable female characters so um but I just I really love films about women who are strange sometimes because the dog lady's kind of strange right I mean she's living in the woods with her six dogs or more and she's living this life and it's it's different it's it's not what you would expect but I think there are there are women like her out there and they don't necessarily need 
pity, you know. They they need their dignity. They need to be respected. They need to be heard and listened to. And I just think of all the women in this world who are just so like Wanda. I mean, I always come back to Barbara Loden's Wanda. It's just sort of sort of like a touchstone in my life, I think, when I saw that film. Um, just women who are who are silenced, who are marginalized, who are invisible in many ways. But um but often the things that make them silenced or that make them marginalized can also make them unruly. We have to they become marginalized through their unruliness because they may be fat or they may be a a woman of color or they may be you know, loud and outspoken and shrill, as they use with that word. They might be a bitch. Like, you know, Barbara Streisand has always been called, you know, because she was a director and she was a perfectionist and that was always used to discount her and and to put her down. Whereas, you know, when male directors acted the same exact way, they were geniuses. So often the things that make women marginalized are their unruliness it's the same they're interconnected for me that if you are an unruly woman if you are too fat too slutty too loud like Anne helen peterson's uh book is book title then you're often going to be uh, marginalized because you are asking for too much and you want too much and you feel too much and you're not able to fit yourself into these into these boxes you're not able to conform you know and i think of myself as unruly in a lot of ways that i don't fit in to these preconceived boxes i, I don't conform i have always been on the outside of life i've always been on the outside of society looking in i've always felt this distance from this distance from people that there was something there was this wall or this screen or something that separated me from other people because I'm not pretty and I'm not um demure and I have opinions and I have thoughts and I'm a feminist and I'm a socialist and I'm you know I'm a thinker I'm a critical thinker and I think too much and I feel too much and I write and I love and I love different films. I love these little films like Dog Lady and Spore and and Vagabond. And it's like I always felt like there was no place for me. And there's still no place for me. I recently tweeted. Um, I'm always on Twitter, y'all. I'm on too much. But I recently tweeted something like, I don't know where I fit in the film landscape online. That I don't feel like there is a place for me. Because... I don't talk in a really academic way about film. I don't have any kind of background in film studies. I don't, you know, I don't have any kind of specialized knowledge about movies. I wouldn't call myself an authority, you know. I just, I don't think any of you should listen to me and say, well, that's the end of the subject, whatever Caitlin says. I want you to always bring your own thoughts to it and I'm not the be all end all you know I like films but I like certain films and you may hate them a lot of people hate Sophie's Choice let's just be honest a lot of people don't like Sophie's Choice I loved Sophie's Choice but it's informed by certain experiences in my own personal life 
my taste in films is erratic. It's idiosyncratic, you know. Like like I said, I love The Secret Garden. I love certain children's films. I have a bit of, you know, nostalgia in me, especially for the 90s when I was growing up. So my taste in film is not, like, perfect. <laughs> I'm not Richard Brody here, you know. <laughs> I'm not anybody important or special. Um, I don't have, like, decades of experience in the film business or something. Um, and I don't, I don't see talking about films as some kind of intellectual exercise. I'm not trying to write a book. I'm not trying to teach a class at, at a university here. You know, I'm just talking from passion. I'm just talking on the fly. I'm talking spontaneously. And sometimes I just feel like weird for being that way. I don't know. Like I listen to other podcasts and they're just so much more polished and so much more, you know, they have such deep, deep thoughts about certain films and, or I read really great film writing online and I'm just like, oh my God, you know, the way certain people are able to talk about film and, and they're really able to talk about, bring in history and sociology and, and they bring in all kinds of things and they're just brilliant and, you know, and they have these genius minds when it comes to cinema and, and I'm not part of any kind of fandoms, you know, lately it's all been about Twin Peaks. Everybody's in Twin Peaks or what's another big one? Um, everybody loves Star Wars. They're really into the Star Wars or, you know, just certain films like that or, um, who are the big auteurs right now? I don't know. Whoever the big auteurs are right now, I'm not into them. I would say maybe like Wes Anderson or um, who else is a big auteur? I don't know. They're out there. There's a lot of them. A lot of men that people are into. I I don't go for the mainstream stuff. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I just feel like I don't know if there's a place for me for this like really sensitive girl who... Well, I'm 28. I guess I shouldn't keep calling myself a girl, <laughs> a young woman, um, who just talks really raw in a raw way about films. I don't know. I just feel weird. I can't explain it. Like, I don't feel like there's a place for me in the way that I talk about film or the way that I relate to film and connect to it. Like, I almost feel like I have to create my own way you know what I mean like and I I would love to write essays at some point about films like I started the podcast because I really like to talk about films but I would love to do some film writing I don't think I'm that good at it that's the only problem is that I think when I write about films I'm trying to fit myself into some kind of preformed way that you talk about films and the way that film reviews are done whether it's Roger Ebert or Pauline Kael or you know just however a film review is and I love Roger Ebert you know I, I love that stuff but it's like for me I have to write in a different way and I always have and I write in a really strange idiosyncratic personal way and it 
comes in like bursts for me. Like if I try to sit down and write, I can't write anything. But if I'm just sort of sitting on my bed, all of a sudden a thought will come to me or something. But I'm trying to figure out a way to talk about films that can that can incorporate the experience of a film. And that's harder. You know, I, I don't know how to write about films. I still don't even know how to talk about films. I'm still struggling with that. Like, I don't know. I just don't, I don't feel like I fit in at all. <laughs> like, anywhere. Not just in the film world. Not that I'm even part of it, you know. I don't fit anywhere. I don't fit in the literary world or literary social media or cinema and social media. I just... I don't know. There's no place for me at all. I always feel, like I said, like this outsider, like I'm so separate from the world and I'm never part of it. I'm never a participant. You know, I'm always an observer. I'm always on the outside of it. I'm always, I always have these different ideas and thoughts and opinions and I just, I don't know where I belong. I haven't found a place where I belong, honestly. I don't know if I ever will. I don't know if I'll ever truly feel at home anywhere. I've never felt at home anywhere. I've never felt like where I was was where I should be. I've always felt uncomfortable. I've always felt displaced. I've always felt alienated, profoundly alienated from the world around me and the world in which I live. So... That's why I'm attracted to these women characters, to the unruly woman, because I see in them shades of myself. I see in them the misfit, the outcast, the outsider. You certainly see that with Dog Lady. You certainly see it with Vagabond. You see it with a lot of the films, I think, um, Wanda, obviously, with Barbara Loden. You, you see women who are outsiders and misfits and... They can't find a home. They can't find a place. Um, or maybe maybe you have to find a home in your homelessness, right? I mean, maybe you have to somehow come to terms with the fact that you're never going to be at home anywhere. And you're never going to fit in anywhere or belong anywhere. But it's hard for me to accept that. I think a part of me wants to think like... Maybe one day I'll find my people or I'll find my place. And maybe that's just bullcrap that our society, you know, uh, drills into us that you'll find your place and your people. Maybe I have to be okay with not having a place. Maybe I have to be at peace with not fitting in, with being a little bit left of center or being on the margins or or being different and being strange and not fully fitting in to to these ideas of how you write about film or how you write about books or how you talk about them in a podcast, you know, how you talk about films. There is no preset way, you know. It is, you make it up as you go along. And I often feel with this podcast especially that I am making it up as I go along. And maybe that's not a bad thing. It means that I can keep reinventing myself maybe or keep keep it fresh in some way or, or I mean maybe it's good to never feel like I totally have it figured out and have it all solved, you know. I don't know, but um 
I like talking about films. I wasn't planning on talking about this film at all, this dog lady. This was, I had another film set up for this week that I was planning on watching and talking about. Um, I really didn't expect this at all. Um, <laughs> but I just got to thinking about it and about this idea of the cinema of the unruly woman and it appealed to me and I felt like I could sort of riff off of it and and go in different places and, and explore and meander and um you know something I also tweeted recently was that I really I love the openings that films create for us and in these openings and in these spaces that films can create it's like we can linger and we can explore and we can revel and we can um think and that's what I like doing and that's sort of what this podcast is is just me finding those openings and probing them and opening them deeper and going into them and and then and lingering in them for a little while each week and I find that really satisfying I find it immensely satisfying at times and so yeah that's all it's all one can do you know in the in the tragedy of life and in the pain of life is to find those moments of of relief or catharsis or transportation where you're sort of taken outside of your own life for a little while um but often these films can lead you back to yourself they can lead you back to your life they can lead you to revelations about your own life and and yourself and um, I think that's what the cinema of the unruly woman can do too, is that you can look at these women, dog lady or, or vagabond, and you can find pieces of yourself in there. And, um, and of course you can give attention to women who are often not given attention to, you know, and that's important too, is to bear witness to other women's lives and other people's lives and their experiences and hopefully it'll make you a little bit more humane and a little bit more kind and a little bit more open-minded about the world and how the world is so vast and diverse and all of us are so different and going through very different experiences and I think we need a little bit more compassion and sympathy in this world for sure and empathy it's not always enough, but we need more of it. But I'll stop here. I have rambled long enough. And um, this was a really good episode. It sort of crystallized some of my thoughts about, you know, the cinema of the unruly woman. And and um, it's something that I'm going to keep in mind as I go forward. And maybe I'll expand it or, you know, explore it deeper. We'll see. I think it's an interesting idea. And I'd like to see where it leads me. So I'll stop here. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, please keep watching great films. Bye for now.